0: live from columbus it's the zone of truth this week on the show Griffin and i announced the next action-packed season of link legacy take a spin on the game of backup roulette and of course answer some listener questions i'm your host steve in the studio with your gm and my co-host griffin roll will save you're in the zone of truth And we're live. And we're live. Just saying, stick around after the credits on this one.
1: <laughs> Excuse me.
0: <laughs> Got in a great conversation that we, were, uh, <laughs> that we recorded while we were doing a little sound check-in and going live. And it's not for the faint of heart.
1: Yeah, not for the faint of heart at all. <clears throat>
0: I served that one up to you on a silver platter. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> appreciate that. You are welcome. All right, Griffin, it is a beautiful day in
1: sunny Columbus. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing surprisingly well. I got my COVID booster last evening, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm feeling okay. Feeling yeah. pretty good, actually. So
0: I'm glad to hear that.
1: Count my blessings, because I got Moderna again, and the first time I got Moderna, it uh it beat the shit out of me. <laughs> I was sick yeah. for like two days. I know you had a tough time with it. I had a fairly ish rough
0: time with my initial Moderna shots, but then that booster wasn't too terrible. I was achy all night long, but nothing too bad. Sounds like you took that on the chin, but how about the beer
1: you're drinking? You're gonna be taking this one on the chin. What you got? I have from animated brewing company Moonkisser, an oak, oatmeal stout. Hmm. So I picked it up while I was back home for the holidays. See if it's any good. Yeah, that's nice. Kind of mellow, very malty. Nice, nice. How
0: about you? Well, I've got a beer that I also got when I was in Philadelphia. This is one I've been really excited about for a while. It's a collaboration here between local artisan foods and Yard's Brewing Company, French Toast Bites Ale. It is... Ale brewed with cinnamon, brown sugar, and vanilla. Sounds right up my alley. I'm going to crack this bad boy open and let you know what I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's tight. You want to do a little trades? Absolutely. It comes in really sweet, but the flavor is really good after that. Ooh.
1: Yeah, that cinnamon kicks you right in the mouth. Yeah, no kidding, right? It's good. good. It does uh, certainly taste like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Yeah. And yours as well. Very tasty. We got a lot of flavor on this table. Yeah, very different flavors. Yeah. As a stout,
0: that's not, mine's not very sweet at all. No, very smooth. I like it.
1: Griffin, what have you been up to these last couple of weeks? Well, since last we talked, Haley and I watched Encanto. The, oh, sure. The new movie from, I think it's a Pixar movie, but the, it's on Disney+. Plus. And it was amazing. It was a really good movie. Mm -hmm. Loved it. It's not like your traditional adventure, which I think is interesting. It almost plays a joke on the fact that, like, a lot of Pixar movies are like going on an adventure. As Mm -hmm. in, like, the main character, like, there's a problem, and she, like, packs up all of her bags to, like, go solve it. And then she's like, I don't know how I would solve this by going anywhere. <laughs> and then like state so it's it's a story told in the same place. It explores family dynamics a lot, and it's um all of the songs are written by Lynn Manuel Miranda, and it's really oh, good. Fantastic. So I loved it. And then uh watched The Witcher season two, which I also enjoyed. It wasn't as confusing timeline wise. The story was still kind of split. Sure. Between um two point of views for at least half of the episodes. But I thought like Geralt talked a lot more this season. And overall, it was more enjoyable than the first season, I think. Sure. Yeah, the first season, I mean, I'm
0: someone who hasn't played the Witcher games or read the books. I did watch that first season of TV and I don't know, it didn't grab me the way it grabbed a lot of folks. And I think a lot of the barrier to entry for me there was the the timeline nonsense, and yeah, and really made any fucking sense. But I loved Henry Cavill; I thought he was uh, yeah really awesome. And there are some other really fantastic characters on that show. I'm on the fence whether or not I should pick it up with the second season,
1: so we'll see on that one. Yeah, it catches everything up, mm-hmm. <laughs> to, I guess the modern time for the series, yep, which does have some interesting ripple effects because like Jaskier, Mm -hmm. you see him in the first season and he's like concurrent with a lot of the episodes in the first season. But then by the time the second season starts, he had been left behind by Geralt for some time. So like explores revisiting him and that kind of stuff.
0: I know this series is kind of told out of order on purpose. I think that they should... Recut it, recut it in order. <laughs> yeah, I swear to God, I, I, this this is not a joke. I think they should recut it in order and have a like more accessible version of it. I think that undermines what they were doing, and they would never do it. And it's kind of ridiculous. But I w- I wish they would because then I think it would be a lot more accessible to people
1: like me, a casual viewer. I think they actually recommend reading the books in a different order than they're released. I've heard that as well. Yes, which is interesting. Like you don't hear that often mm-hmm. for a series, right? usually you're supposed to read it in the order it came out because that's the order it was intended to be read. Mm -hmm. But it's apparently better if you read it in a certain order. I haven't read any of the books or played the games. I just watched the series and I'm a sucker for fantasy TV shows. So Sure, sure. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. Yeah.
0: Well, as for me, I've been doing a little video gaming. I have been playing Halo Infinite. A lot of people have been saying that that's a real return to form for the Halo games after 4 and 5. And I agree with them. It's really really tight. The gameplay is really good. I think it solves a lot of problems that I had with 4 and 5. It's just a really good time.
1: Yeah, it's Xbox clapping back on PlayStation for having uh exclusivity to the Spider-Man game. Now in yes. Halo you could just be Spider-Man.
0: Yes. <laughs> I that is all I'm doing. I'm just grappling around. Gravel. It's a lot of fun. I've heard a lot of people compare the kind of open-worldness of it to like a Breath of the Wild, which I've never played, but sure, some people have said it, so I'm repeating it on air. probably shouldn't do
1: that, but should probably fact check myself <laughs> sometimes, but. never really think of Halo as like an open-world game.
0: No, and neither did I, but I think it works pretty well. I don't know that I'd call it fully open-world. I don't know. You have like a sandbox to play in. The story's still very linear. It's good. I really like it a lot more than I like the last few installments. So hey, if you got that Xbox Live Game Pass like I do, and I advertise for it for free for Microsoft all the time, you should subscribe because I did not have to buy that game. It was just on Game Pass day one. That was awesome. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that was a big surprise. Why the hell they would put that
1: game on Game Pass so soon?
0: I think it's because they are trying to lend more. I don't know if it's if the right word is credibility or what to that subscription service, but I think what they're trying to indicate is that is the way that they want the industry to go. Get people on this subscription service, kind of like MoviePass in a way. Yeah, and I mean, that's a strong like,
1: stance. That's a AAA $60 game, probably oh yeah? the best game on Xbox right now. Absolutely, yes, that is absolutely true. Certainly the best exclusive.
0: Yeah, so I think that is an indicator from Microsoft that they want to push people into that subscription model, which there's arguments for and against it, but I've been really enjoying it. And then the other thing that I've been doing that I've been really enjoying is in classic Steve fashion, I'm a little late to a trend, but I've been watching The Queen's Gambit. I am on the final episode and i was turned on to this by several of my friends and family members people telling me i should watch this and i finally did and i don't know why i like the show like i was having this conversation with my parents the other day i don't know what it is about this show that calls out to me but it fucking rocks
1: yeah something about it is just like you can tell when you watch it that it's well done yes it's just quality like I could give two shits about chess, but I still watched several episodes of it mm-hmm. because it's it's just well put together.
0: It's well put together. It's well acted. The pacing's pretty cool. I really like the commitment to the period pieceness of it. All of the old-timey cars and music and people smoking indoors and stuff.
1: It's really good. You know, you might actually like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Really? Yeah. If you like the Queen's Gambit. It's not like chess, but... That show is also phenomenal. And that's kind of like a time period. Is that a.
0: That's an Amazon Prime one. It's a
1: Prime one, yeah. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. Maisel is like a. She's like an early female comedian. Mm -hmm. And it's a pretty well done representation of the time period. Sure. Hell, I'll give it a try. That sounds awesome. I'd be late to the game on that one too. But hey, you know what? (laughs) I've been waiting for the next season of that to come out. I haven't heard anything about that. I don't know when that comes out. right, well, well, well.
0: Griffin, let's just get into it. I think it's time. Now, this is something that we've been waiting on for a little while. We've been teasing this out, but we are rapidly coming to the end of season three of the Linked Legacy podcast. This is our Behind the Paywall Patreon show. haley has been doing a fantastic job of running this awesome Fae shadowy module and everybody has really attached themselves to these standout, very deep characters. But it's time almost (laughs) to give them a big old kiss goodbye and move on to season four. So what is season four of the Link Legacy podcast? Well, I'm gonna say that it is a little bit of a diversion from form, yeah, but not in a bad way. It's something we're very excited about. We teased it on uh, Zone of Truth an episode or two ago. We've been teasing it on the Discord. Griffin, what scenario is getting played? Playing Malevolence 2E. Yes. Malevolence it is. It is a big, cool module that we've been really excited about. We've thought as soon as this was announced that this was right in our wheelhouse. So I'm going to give a quick overview of what the module is. This is ripped straight from Paizo's website, so this shouldn't be a spoiler or anything, but the house has stood abandoned on its lonely hilltop, brooding quietly over the ruins of a once thriving town for decades. No one has lived within its walls since the night, a terrific storm flooded the coastal town below. And since a tragedy struck down the noble family that once dwelt within, but now the mansion has attracted the attention of a curious group of adventurers. What is the truth behind the tragic past that empowers the evil that grips the mansion today? And what might happen to the world of Galarian if the sinister influences that grow within these haunted walls are allowed to build beyond the breaking points? Pretty ominous. Very ominous. I gotta give a quick shout out before we move on to a user on our Discord, Demuth. As soon as we posted the Cleave Mellon quote unquote channel, he inferred that The initials of that, CM, meant that Chris was running Malevolence.
1: Yeah, which wasn't actually the inference we were going for. And I believe Corey on our Discord actually got the right answer, which is that Cleave Mellon is an anagram for Malevolence.
0: Yes. So shout out to both of you (laughs) for figuring it out in your own way. But Demuth, you were right. Chris is GMing. Yeah, Chris
1: is running the scenario. Griffin, are you excited for that? Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to get to play some 2e, and I think Chris is the right person to be running 2e in our group. He's had a lot of experience running second edition. He's run mm-hmm. uh, the Slithering for two groups. He's running Fist of the Ruby Phoenix for a group, so he's dipped his toes pretty heavily into second edition from a GM's perspective. Mm-hmm. And obviously, he's played a lot too. You know, he played in you all played in my Run of Plague Stone, and you're all playing in the converted Curse of the Crimson Throne, but I think he's probably the most ready to GM second edition, having all that experience. Absolutely. I was part of one of those runs of the Slytherin and
0: Chris did a phenomenal job. It was just a fun GM to have. So I think his GMing style is going to pair really well with the Linked Legacy flavor that I've guessed we've kind of developed over the last few seasons. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I do have a little bit of additional info about kind of what we're doing and, and stuff just to level the playing field. So everyone is up to speed. And then I think it would be a good opportunity for the two of us to discuss our characters, or at least what we've put together so far, because I think that might be fun, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like I mentioned, Malevolence is second edition. This is also another departure from form though, because up until now we've run Carnival of Tears, in response from Deepmar, Realm of the Fel Knight Queen. Those have all been the slimmer, soft cover, 32 page
1: modules. Malevolence, a little bit thicker, two Cs, 64 pages. Yeah, you can think of it more like a full book of an adventure path, even Mm -hmm. potentially a little bit longer. And with that, this season of Linked Legacy is going to be the longest season yet. It's likely going to be where we've kind of sat 12 to 16 or so. This one will likely be in the 20s of episodes.
0: Yeah, really excited for that. That's going to give us an opportunity to live and breathe in these characters a little bit more. Actually, level up. Actually, on level Linked up.
1: Legacy, which will be fun.
0: Yes, Malevolence starts at third level. I'm not entirely sure what level it taps out at, but I I know it goes to six. Okay. So that'll be really exciting. We'll grow these characters. Also just want to let everybody know, for those of you who are interested in the mechanics behind the scenes, we are going to be using some of the same modified rule sets that we do on the Bestow Curse podcast. So we are talking about that uh, incremental ability score upgrades. So as we go, three, four, five our ability scores will be growing as well, as well as that free archetype system, which
1: I don't know that we're going to play a game without that. Yeah, probably not in second edition at this point. It's definitely my favorite variant role. And I think across the board, our group has found that it just makes characters more fun to play. 100%.
0: So characters, you're on the show. Yep. I'm on the show. Yep,
2: Haley, are you on the show? Yes, I am.
0: Yes, very glad to have you back going to be sitting in the player's seat, and then we have one more person that is going to be joining us, rounding out the party. You know what? The whole Bestow Curse family is going to be there. Emily's going to be sitting in there as well. You want to talk about them characters, Griffin? Yeah. Do you want to kick it off you want me to? Go ahead. You're first in the notes. I was really hoping that you were going to start because I took a big swig of beer. (laughs) (laughs) Too bad. All right, so... What are we gonna talk about with these character introductions? Mechanically, my character is pretty much built. Some of the softer things, I guess you could call them, the name, the personality, the voice, I haven't quite set in stone yet. So I'm not gonna be speaking to those today, but I am going to be speaking to what's going on on my actual character sheet. And the theme of this character for me is that going into Malevolence, it's a haunted house, right in their wheelhouse, right? I'm going to be facing my fears, and the ancestry that I'm picking is not a naughty. This character is going to be through and through spider themed. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out this season of Link Legacy. My crippling arachnophobia. So what does this mean? Well, I'm going to have spider stuff that is going to echo through the class, the spells I pick, the cool stuff that goes into that class. Let's just get into it. So the Anadi can do some really cool things. Right off the rip at third level, I'm going to be taking Reassuring Presence. This is a cool way to gain a reaction to reduce close allies' frightened condition by one. Great reaction to have. And then, of course, skitter talk, meaning that I can talk to other Arachnids. My background is going to be Animal Whisperer, to go along with that theme. And... The thing that people are probably most interested in is what I'm actually going to be playing, and that class is the straight out of... Uh, shit. Secrets of Magic? Secrets of Magic. It's the Summoner. So, I have never played a Summoner before. Definitely have not played one in second edition. A Summoner basically is a caster that also has a buddy that they bring into combat with them, and that buddy is called an Eidolon so depending on what type of an eidolon you choose that's going to determine your casting tradition i am choosing the beast eidolon so i'm going to be casting primally and that eidolon is going to be a brutal beast meaning that it's going to be strength built i.e this big old eidolon is going to be wading into combat while my little anadi cute spider guy sits in the back slinging spells and boosting and stuff. I'm going to be flavoring this brutal beast, this primal being as a not mechanically because it's only medium large spider and all of the spells that I'm going to be picking are going to be spider themed. So I got web in there. I've got something that summons like a swarm of spiders that'll bite people. It's going to be a lot of fun. Cool thing that happens with summoners is that all of their spells are signature spells. So they all kind of rank up with you as you rank up, which is good for this module. I think that's really fun and interesting. But summoners, weirdly, and I guess some other classes do this as well that I haven't looked at, but they lose their lower tier level spells as they level up. I think that's really interesting. casting. Yeah. I think I'm kind of rounding third here, headed home on what I'm able to share today But as far as like a party role goes, yep. Potentially going to be a party face because a summoner is a charisma built class. But like I said, hanging out in the back, boosting, casting spells, while this big old spider runs up and tries to bite people. It's gonna be weird. It's gonna put me out of my comfort zone, both mechanically and spiritually. (laughs) And <laughs> spiritually. We'll see
1: how it goes. Are you going to talk about your uh, free archetype?
0: Ooh, yes. That is something that I definitely missed. Thanks for reminding me. I wanted to diversify my casting a little bit from the back line. So although I am a primal caster having that beast Eidolon, I also am going to have access to a couple occult spells because I am going to be taking the sorcerer dedication. Now, I'm not... Convinced that I have decided on what bloodline to go yet, but, but it will definitely be a
1: cold. Yes, okay. nice. So
0: I think that's about it for me.
1: Yeah, Griff. What do you bring into the table? Oh boy, I'm very excited for this character. So I am playing a knoll. A knoll. So another ancestry from the Wangi expanse, and I am playing a great knoll. Mm-hmm. So the really big gnolls that get a uh, bonus to combat maneuver checks. The Ancestry feat I chose is Pack Hunter. Okay. So I get a plus two circumstance bonus to aid anybody. All and right. anybody that tries to aid me gets a plus two circumstance bonus to their role as well. Oh, very cooperative. So uh, yeah, so as a Pack Hunter would be, is very cooperative with the rest of the party. For my background, I'm a spell seeker. So, uh, Seeker of Knowledge, Seeker of the Perfect Spell. Mm-hmm. He's obsessed with finding the right spell for the right situation, which gives him the recognized spell reaction. As a class, like you, I've chosen a class that has never been played on the HLP, and that is a Magus. Woo! So, I'm playing a Magus. It works really well with Null, and I'm really excited to be playing one because. It's very interesting and looks very fun in second edition. Mm -hmm. Specifically, I took the Twisting Tree Magus, so I'll be using a staff to wade into combat and cast my spells and eventually have an Extendo staff (laughs) uh, to make long range spell strikes. So that's pretty exciting. For my uh, free archetype, I chose the Witch Dedication. Mm -hmm. So with the Magus, I have bounded casting just like you. So my casting like spell slots will scale as I level, but you lose your lowest level of spell slots. Unlike you, I don't get the automatic heightening, but instead I get lower level spell slots for specific useful spells. So I get like first level spell slots eventually that I can use for useful spells like true strike and that kind of stuff. Oh. And then uh, eventually I get second level spells for like invisibility and, and, and like mage armor and that kind of stuff. So. Mm. so that's one of the differences between the bounded casting for the two. I'm also a prepared caster where you're a spontaneous caster, but the witch is to get more spell slots to use for spell striking. So I actually chose the fervor patron, which gives me divine spells. So I will have access to arcane and divine magic. Look at us, the two secrets of magic classes covering all four traditions. (laughs) Covering all the traditions. So my character, his name is Cuthbert Surefoot. He is elderly. So he's in his uh, 60s as a gnoll. And the way I'm playing him, he was actually once a great warrior And with age, his body has started to fail him. I'm actually playing him as having had the dedication, the fervor patron long before he ever became a magus. So like this fervor led him to be like a great gladiator, a great warrior. And then with age, he's had to augment his physical body with spells, which led him to Quantium to learn magic, essentially, and learn it in a martial way to kind of augment his fighting prowess so that he can still be useful. He's a teacher. He's cooperative. A party role that he's going to fill is somewhat of a frontliner, but also he has pretty much every knowledge skill. Mm-hmm. He's very intelligent. He has like library lore and that kind of stuff, so he's very well learned and I'm I know his personality, I won't really give that away, but uh, his voice is going to be something like this. Stay a while and listen. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. Is there anything else you wanted
0: to share about the character? Because
1: that sounds really fucking cool. Uh, no, I think you're just going to have to listen to find out more about him. Ooh. Tune in. I've got a hand raised from Haley.
2: So we do have a couple questions. One from Sir Newt regarding this in particular. Are any of the characters based off of movie or TV characters?
0: The answer for me is maybe. Because there is an impression that I do, I think, exceedingly well. That I've considered using for this character. But I don't know if it's going to be appropriate for a 64-page module. Something that is,
1: we're going to be doing for like almost a year. Uh... My character is the voice is Deckard Kane from Diablo, Diablo, and his story is my take on the like old man warrior fantasy trope. So, uh, you see that a lot in fantasy books. My take is that as Omegas, he's trying to always like augment himself where his body is failing. Um, so I don't, I don't have like a specific character in mind. However. He looks like the leader of the Worgen, if you play World of Warcraft. I can't remember the guy's name, but not king, but like the Baron of Gilneas or whatever, uh, is how I'm basing his appearance. So he's like dark gray, but like he's really white around the muzzle and like around his eyes, like an old dog would be. Mm
2: -hmm. My character's also very likely going to be based on a movie character, but... I still need to make sure that that's down pat as well. A little bit like Steve, but not quite. Steve already has the voice and everything down pat. He's just debating on whether or not we stick with it. I need to make sure that I can get all of that down pat. So,
1: I'll give you a hint. Atlantis.
2: Yes. (laughs) It's a character in the movie Atlantis. Oh, I thought you meant Stargate Atlantis.
0: No. Uh, Haley, is there anything that you wanted? I know we didn't ask you to prepare like your entire character. I don't know if you wanted to share like an ancestry or class or anything or keep it under wraps. It's totally up to you.
2: I will share my class and that's about as far as I'll go because I do not have my sheet in front of me and my phone is dead, so I can't pull it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I am playing an inventor.
0: I can't wait to Another see that. Another class that hasn't been played <laughs> in <the network. laughs> Because I've read a little bit about an inventor but I've never heard it on another podcast. It might be out there somewhere. I just haven't listened to the show. If it's on somebody else's podcast, I have no idea how it works. I'm so excited.
2: I'm really into range-based characters right now. So I'm currently planning on a range inventor. Hell but yeah. I'm on a range character kick.
1: You know what I think is very interesting between our two characters, Steve, is that mm-hmm. the magical traditions have essences. Sure. So there's mind, matter, life, and spirit. hmm and for arcane, it is mind and matter. And yep. f- for divine, it is life and spirit. So you and I both chose two traditions quadrants. that are, well, yeah. you and I both chose within one character, the diametrically opposed magical traditions. So arcane and divine are diametrically opposed as our primal and occult. Wow. I actually didn't know that. Because uh, occult, I believe, is mind and spirit and primal is matter and life. Are you slanting this towards an opposites track, our characters are gonna hook up thing? You heard it here first. Listen to the show and find out. Real gilf character. Grandpa, I'd like to...
2: The only other thing that I do have as far as a kind of question, I guess. Griffin, did you mention um, what god you follow? No, I didn't. There's a there's kind of a request slash question, I guess, from DeMuth here. Uh, Blumdar
1: <laughs> You you would expect that, but <laughs> probably not for this character.
2: That's fine. I just I, uh I know. I was thinking necklace
1: for this character. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then I think Emily's playing a rogue. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Don't put words in her mouth. She hasn't decided yet.
2: Yeah, she's listening, so um don't don't speak for her.
1: <laughs> but okay, also well-
0: I talked to her in the car yesterday, and she said I'm playing a rogue. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, she's I'm, pretty I, I'm,
2: I'm mostly kidding. Um, Demus <laughs> did ask uh, Emily a question, but unfortunately, she's not in here because immediately the question is what Disney character is Emily's PC based on, which I just think is funny because that's oh. pretty typical.
0: <laughs> she's, yeah. I'm sure it's one of them.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yes, and she did confirm in the chat she's playing a rogue, which I, I also Aladdin. knew was happening. Aladdin's
0: pretty roguish maybe. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I know there's a lot of excitement for Malevolence. I'm super stoked to get started. There's a couple things that I need to tie up to make this character complete, but I'm very excited to play him.
1: Yeah, I've had this character concept in mind for a little bit. I think I submitted this to Chris about a month and a half ago. Well, so I'm ready to play him. It'll happen soon, I'm sure. But Griffin,
0: we got to move on to our next segment. We got a lot to get through tonight. Oh, yeah. This is a little segment we like to call backup roulette. For those of you who are just joining us, Griffin and myself are going to be imagining that we are a player on the HLP. For me, that's not going to be too terribly difficult. This is a
1: very difficult exercise for Griffin, of course. Don't even try to ask me about what happened in the last three books. I don't remember.
0: (laughs) And uh, we're going to be pretending that our primary character has died in a random book of the AP. So we need to roll for a new one, randomly selecting the race, class, profession, and the book that we died in then we're gonna take a minute or two to talk about what we got and how we would slot it into the story. So the first thing that we need to do is figure out when we died and we need to get a character back in there. We're gonna be rolling a virtual D6 for this. The one through four will be four books, one through four. Five will be the Abaddon arc and then six is the neutral interlude. Griffin, you have died in book four. Okay. my favorite. Anyway. I know, and then I have died in book
1: one. Oh, <laughs> great, I'm also at the funeral. <laughs> I was waiting at the funeral. God, I was not talking to anyone.
0: Really hoping that one of us would get one of the arcs, but
1: here it is. <laughs> They're definitely more open ended for people to come in.
0: All right, so the next thing we need to do is determine the race. So this is going to be a D-100 on the reincarnate table, which I am pulling up now. Griffin, you have a 58, which means you're a halfling. Halfling? Woo! 99. Oh boy, that's a good one, I think. 99 is a weirwood.
1: Oh god
2: (laughs) In book one
1: (laughs) Got that tree energy One of Lorimore's experiments They're the construct rays. Yep (laughs) Alright Fantastic That's great
0: The next thing is We are going to roll for classes Griffin you have a 28 Which means You
1: If I don't get a charisma class I'm gonna be screwed You lucked out brother you're a halfling scald. Halfling scald? Dope. Hell <laughs>
0: yes. All right. I need to do this again for myself. Five. Great. I don't have to count as high. Fighter. A Weirwood fighter. <laughs> Me and Ikmer going to be up front. Oh, man. Okay. Finally, we need to roll a D30. And that is going to determine our profession griffin you all oh, these high numbers are killing me 20. dude you turn it up in the mines because you're a miner Six.
1: where is there a mine in ilmarsh
0: you're gonna have to think of one <laughs> it's <a> aquatic mine <laughs> all right i got a 26 so the counting backwards 30 29 28 27 26 Hell yeah. I'm a fighter, but I'm also a stable master. Stable master Ah! fighter. Oh, boy. Oh, dear. What can I do with this? Stable master weirwood fighter. Desperately looking for interesting
1: archetypes. (laughs) Child of war. Child of war. (laughs) All right. Well, I know what I'm going for. Go for it. So I'm gonna be a halfling, bold schemer scald.
0: Don't you dare! <laughs> I'll be a little schemer. Oh, you! Oh my God, no! The <laughs> <A>
1: bold schemer scald, <laughs> and I, uh, I discover, I, I come upon the party. I discover as I'm mining on the Isle of Terror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I discover that the mine has started to flood, and when I follow the tunnel down, it. Where's it go? It leads straight to the observatory for the final battle against the dark young of Shubh <laughs> I joined the group through my infiltration skills as a bold schemer. <laughs> bold schemer? I, I get a, an ability, a supernatural ability called Scald of Twists and Turns. Sure. Which is what you have to do when you, you know, when you get into a tight space in the mines, they send me down, the bold schemer, because I'm a halfling and I can fit between the tight spaces more easily. So, at <laughs> fourth level, I become increasingly adept at infiltration and devising cunning strategies to overcome enemy fortifications. A bold skier can spend eight hours observing a physical location, such as a fortress-walled city, perhaps even a section of underground dungeon. I mean, the, the character concept writes itself. Contemplating methods to infiltrate the location and engage its defenders in battle in ways that subvert their defensive advantages. At the end of eight hours, I get a plus two insight bonus on bluff, disable device, disguise, sleight of hand, and stealth checks while in that same physical location. The bonus increases by two at eighth level, which I would be by book four. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'd have a plus four to all that stuff, which obviously makes me unkillable. Uh, And the bonus lasts until I observe a new location. That's really good. At tenth level, which I think I would also be, a bold schemer gets bold strategy, in which case I could tailor my plans and observations so they're able to assist my allies as well. As long as you can see or hear the bold schemer while inside the observed location, you gain the same insight bonus I gained with the Twisted turns ability. Mm. So everyone will be really good at bluff, disable device, disguise, sleight of hand, and stealth, which would make Matumbe broken. <laughs> I don't know. What is it? Oh, it it replaces bardic knowledge, so... <laughs> oh,
0: you're not going to need that. I'm not going to need
1: that. I'm a minor, for God's yeah, sake. Gonna... I don't know anything. And of course, I would keep my regular Scald's Rage instead of doing something smart, like becoming an urban Scald to increase dexterity. Mm-hmm. And so my, like, my strength will go up to, like, a 12. <laughs> Which means I'm ready to wade into the front lines as a halfling. Yeah, that's really good. I think that would be a very natural yeah. fit. And his catchphrase, because he was a miner, is... What's yours is mine. And then he steals all your shit with his bold schemes. This actually just sounds like a linked legacy character. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have to replace anybody important. I'm coming in as a linked legacy character.
0: All right. So here's what I got on my end. Again, Stable Master Weirwood Fighter, who is in book one. I want you guys to turn back the clocks. All the way to book one. Imagine you're in a town hall having some discourse with your fellow town mates. I guess that's the word for people you live in a town with. (laughs) The other townies. Yeah, your town mates. And suddenly, city hall starts burning to the ground. Well, if you were made of wood, you'd be pretty worried about that, correct? (laughs) Yes. Obviously, would want to join the adventurers to find out what almost killed you. What almost burned wood,
1: yes. of which you actually are.
0: Yes. So, this local stable master is going to join the party and replace the key role that Matumbe plays by doubling up fighters in the party. But I don't want to step on Ick's toes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use the lessons that I learned as a stable master by picking the pack mule archetype. What? (laughs) Which let me lay this load of trash (laughs) on you, Griffin. Oh, boy. Pack mules contain heavy loads with ease and small packages with discretion. Unlike most couriers or porters, pack mules are also trained combatants able to defend their charges should the need arise. Although, as you'll see, I take issue with that. So your little <laughs> robot contains a lot of loads? Absolutely. Loadmaster General. Um, <laughs> many General. Many are willing to transport illegal goods, serving as runners for smugglers or muscle for bandits. Pack mules seeking legitimate work provide useful additions to merchant caravans and adventuring parties. All right. So right off the rip, you're getting unobtrusive. You're gaining bluff disguise sleight of hand and stealth as class skills which is essential for a fighter and you're not giving anything too big away at first level just the bonus feat that you get okay good good at second level it gets better i think at this point the party was second level At second level, a pack mule adds a bonus equal to half his fighter level on sleight of hand checks to conceal objects on his body. He also adds a bonus equal to half his class level to his strength score for the purposes of determining his carrying capacity. So we both just made little thieves. Well, you're the little thief. I just carry the shit.
1: You need sleight of hand. What do you need well, sleight of hand for? I, I can seal the shit on me. And that ability replaces bravery. Well, hopefully, which, this character sticks around until my character comes in, and then you can hold all of my stolen goods. I think so.
0: I'm going to have no problem surviving to book four because at third level, I get weight training, which <laughs> I'm more maneuverable when carrying loads. <laughs> When I'm carrying oh, a heavier medium load, I reduce the check penalty by one to a minimum of zero. Increase the max dex allowed. These benefits increase by one at 7th, 11th, and 15th levels. I can move at my normal speed while carrying a medium load. At 7th level, I can move at a normal speed when carrying a heavy load. And this is a very cheap ability to take. It only replaces armor training one through four. <laughs>
1: But if you really, if you really, you optimize, if you really want to optimize, if you really want to optimize your carrying capacity, which we mm-hmm. totally talk about a lot on the show, yes, as something that is
0: a you know a roadblock to your success. Of course, I'll be building towards healthy as a mule at nineteenth level. Oh, which means that when I take Condex or strength damage, I reduce the amount of ability damage taken by two to a minimum of zero. Again, I don't think re- you could
1: take ability damage as a, as a weird Okay. <laughs> Perfect synergy. Uh, <laughs> see, I, th- I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna go the route of like the mutagenic baller because that would have just worked great. Since uh, mutagens don't work on a construct. Oh, uh,
0: see, no, I was steering heavily into the stable master part of the build. <laughs> I and that ability only replaces armor mastery, so
1: rock solid. One fighter optimized for AC, the other optimized to carry your burdens. Absolutely. Although you're a small, you're a weirwood and you're small. So like even your heavy load, even maxed out strength is probably not that big. Probably not that big. No,
0: pack mule, baby. Well, that was a very enticing backup roulette. I would love to see both of these characters in action. Yeah,
1: I was hoping you would come in as like because I think there was a stable in, in Harrowstone, you're just, like, still, like, sweeping the stable. Like, the prison had an automated, like... Where'd everybody go? Just, well, this is what I do, so I better keep doing this.
0: The adventurers come along and say, Hey, man, everyone's been dead for 60 years or however long it's been. I can't remember. <laughs> well, okay. We're ready for a little listener questions. Yeah. Let's do it. Haley, what do you got for us?
2: All right. So this one's directly related to the last segment so I'll start with that one mm-hmm. <laughs> Corey has asked what drug would your pack mule smuggle in Galarian
0: hmm <laughs> I
1: always thought Pesh sounded interesting probably a contact poison because you're immune to that as well pretty good at that point <laughs> I could just coat
0: it all over myself
1: yeah. <laughs> just slather yourself in it
0: yeah um, what's the there's flay leaf I think yeah which is, is a shiva. Yeah, which I don't know if I would be doing flay leaf because as
1: sort of a plant already, I don't know how I'd <laughs> feel about that. I mean, you're not a plant. You're just made of wood. Whoa,
2: you know does mean? that mean you're like a straight carnivore?
1: He doesn't eat. He's a construct. I guess. Yeah. Unless he's, like, I, he's like a wooden robot. Unless I was meant to eat. <laughs> like made to eat. Made to eat? Yeah. You don't even have
0: to have a mouth if I you know. don't want one. But like, what if the person who made me made me with a mouth?
1: It was like eat, eat, eat,
2: eat. Your purpose is to eat and clean stables. Eat, eat. I made
1: ten of you. Whoever eats the other nine, eat, gets to survive. Eat you, damn dirty tree. You, di- you dirty little wood puppet. Eat. <laughs> Come on, Pinocchio. Your nose is gonna keep growing unless you eat. This is oh,
0: an abuse, abusive
1: master that I have in <laughs> book one. They call me Geppetto. <laughs> I'm the big Please bad, stop. I'm the big bad of the entire adventure.
0: Oh dear. Uh, do you have any drugs you'd like to smuggle in, uh,
1: Glarian <laughs> Griffin? I mean, no. Pesh sounds good. Right. Like shiver. Yeah. All right. Well, those are the drugs that we know
2: in Glarian. <laughs> there are only three drugs we know.
1: <laughs> what else we got, Haley?
2: I've got a question from.
1: Wait, 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 wait. I, what if, what if you just aged whiskey in your stomach or something? Wow. Since you're basically a keg or a cask anyway. I am the devil's share. I am the, the, the angel's share. Boy, yeah. Oh man. Where would you put your spigot? You know where. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't have to ask, but I wanted you
0: to. I wanted you to lay it out for me. I would have two spigots, one on each nipple.
2: Oh!
1: That's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's been sloshing around all combat. <laughs> it's like, that's like when the age uh, age barrels of whiskey at sea because it, mm. it makes
0: them shake around. And I think in 2E, I don't know if there's like a, a weirwood correlation. I don't know if that's been built yet. I'm behind on my ancestries. There's not 2E. a weirwood
1: per se. I think like, Something somewhere between like poppet and uh and Fleshy. automaton are is probably okay. So you do like a wooden automaton
0: with either the teethling or celestial and do like an angel share devil share yeah concept there that, that'd be pretty good yeah. <laughs> with spigots on your nipples. Um, what else do we got, Haley?
2: The next question is from Spiegel and he asked. What is your favorite children's movie? Because this is uh, was actually asked back when you guys talked about Encanto.
1: Oh, favorite children's movie.
0: Oof. I think my favorite movie when I was a child probably was The Lion King.
1: Yeah, I watched a lot of The Lion King as a child. That was a really good one. Um, I mean, the easy answer is the Pokemon movie. Mm, that's pretty good. That's a cop out because it was actually the Digimon movie.
2: As a kid, I watched... Why did
1: you just say Digimon movie. I don't know. It had the Bare Naked Ladies soundtrack. Fair enough.
2: As a kid, I literally watched The Lion King so much that I burned through two VCRs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like VCR tapes, the tapes themselves, they burnt through. And then I also broke one Little Mermaid because I watched them that much. Damn. And my brother, I never, I will say I never destroyed an actual VCR player. My brother did try to uh, make grilled cheese in it, though. So that did ruin it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it. I had all of the Disney princess movies of the times and would watch a lot of them for the comedic animal relief. So like the raccoon in Pocahontas or the mice in Cinderella. Yeah. you. I like that.
1: Yeah. That's pretty funny. I liked Lilo and Stitch because I found out as a kid that I could do the Stitch voice. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Then I was then I was forever enamored with that character because mm-hmm. I could do the voice. I watched, I mean, not
0: movies until The Magic Railroad came out, but I watched a shit ton of Thomas the Tank Engine. Well, yeah. According to my parents, I used to recite episodes of Thomas the Tank Engine along with the TV.
1: I knew them so well. I was that way with God, Rugrats, apparently. Really? Yeah, we used to, uh, when we were on a road trip, my parents would measure time for me in episodes of Rugrats. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) They would say, we're two and a half episodes of Rugrats away.
2: (laughs) I also really enjoyed um, Rugrats. I hated Thomas the Train.
0: Um, Okay.
1: Okay.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I watched a lot of Pokemon, but I don't remember anything else. Like, I would start crying when VeggieTales came on. I did not like that. It did, in fact, make me cry. Scared the crap out of me. I don't remember any other TV shows, though.
0: Yeah, that probably about covers it. Yeah. What
2: yeah. else we got, Haley? We have one more question so far, unless anyone else throws something else in. Zeranute has asked to Stephen Griffin: Are you going to commission any art for your Malevolence characters?
1: All right. Well, I think we all know what this question is actually asking. Yeah. <laughs> As the token furry character, no. I'm not gonna ask Alex to draw my knoll sexily. Well you don't have to do that. But I also still have
0: the ears that I used for the knoll that I played yeah, that's true. on our stream. That's if not you wanna commission that's them. not
1: commissioning art, that's just yeah, No, it's just something I, I thought of just now. Yeah, I mean I have my whole like wizard getup so I could just kinda throw the ears on and mm-hmm. finish it off. Yeah. Old man knoll drawn really provocatively yeah i don't know i mean this is going to be the longest one it would be cool to like get the whole party but i think i would prefer to get some of the side characters that have now been in like 30 episodes of the hlp that we don't have art first
0: yeah i I think i agree with that too like saw's been 100 episodes of the hlp (laughs) and like nana opal is a foreboding presence that's hung over the show for a really long time dr viv's been in 100 episodes like That would be really
1: cool to have. Yeah, I think my next priority for at least official character art, like the stuff we get from Irene for all of our normal characters, is evil interlude characters and Tulia and Duran. Ooh, that would be cool. But beyond that, yeah, these characters would be cool to get. I have a pretty solid image in my head of what this character looks like. We could make it happen. You could be like one of the first Anandi or Anadi to have character art, right? That's true. <laughs> that's the difficulty with playing one of the, like if one of us had played like a Goloma or something, there's just three pictures in the Paizo reference book of it. And that's about it. I remember complaining about this on our Momongi Expanse episode.
0: There were two, and then I found one fan art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a naughty Pathfinder art. Typing this into Google right now. There's not a terrible ton of art, but it's out there.
1: It's probably yeah, it's 12 out there. It, images. It's tough because like people don't do the in-between form usually. Mm-hmm. They do the, hey, here's your full spider and here's your human looking form. Yeah, like,
0: I don't know that I, I wouldn't want just like a regular dude yeah. but also I don't know that I just want someone to draw a spider. That's pretty fucking lame. I don't like
1: spiders. Well, My issue is... Like a half and half would be cool. Yeah, my issue with like all the null art that's out there is like they're all drawn like wearing loincloths or like carrying whips, like, because mm-hmm. the old slaver stuff that they were in first edition and in, like, d and Well, I could direct you to some websites where gnolls are
0: wearing loincloths and carrying whips, but for other reasons.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like, I had to kind of think, okay, other dog people races, While well, Worgen are all werewolves. Mm-hmm. And that's where I got the, like, the leader of Gilneas is the direction I want this character to look not a lot of null art actually has armor and they are all like drawn as like hunchback things and I kind of you know not in line with your image in your head no no. I mean maybe he's a little hunched because he's old but like mm-hmm. he's not like <laughs> like bent over it's not right? like a, a s- lot of are a spinosaurus. I
0: think it's minor spoilers for the AP so I'm not going to name the AP that I'm reading but there's a no in one of them that's like because he's so hunched over and like a big brute is like, I was looking at the art. I'm like, this dude's fucking wider than he is tall. Like, damn. Dude's head is in the middle of his body. Yeah. <laughs> Haley, do we have any other questions out there? I got a couple that I could throw in here if we need.
2: Um, I think Demuth has a like hypothetical. Do you have any sort of theme song that goes with those characters or any sort of song that I guess matches them? Ooh.
0: Um... The new characters? Yeah, Malevolence. Oh, malevolence. Hmm. Oh, I, you know I do love pairing my music with my characters, but I just haven't nailed down my personality yet. There's the one that I obtusely mentioned earlier that I could default to,
1: but I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah, I was thinking about this too, because I was thinking about putting together a playlist for this character... And I think some of the some of the like Bogwitch energy songs work for him because he's mm-hmm. he's got that like fervor patron and that kind of thing. But I don't have a song in particular in my head.
2: Corey has recommendations too. Steve.
1: I'm worried. Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man. Sure.
2: Uh, <laughs> ah, no. Corey has Itsy Bitsy Spider. DeMuth that theme from Spider-Man.
0: I mean both great options <laughs> and that's what I'm going for. There goes my hero. Oh, shit. I should cast him as like Andrew Garfield or something. would <laughs> be pretty good. <laughs> you do a uh, bully Maguire. <laughs> oh, wait, maybe maybe my casting would work then. All right, I'm not committing to this. I want to I go on record saying I am not committing to this because I probably won't do it. But he was in Into the Spider-Verse. I was thinking about doing Nick Cage.
2: <laughs> I knew that's what you were yeah. talking about.
0: Nick Cage. So I remember just now that he's in Into the Spider-Verse. So, okay, that bumps it up a little bit. It's a little bit more likely, but it's it's not locked in yet. Yeah.
1: So, yeah? You could do that for a whole book of an AP. I could do that for a full book. I think if you tone it down but, a little bit, you'd right. probably be good but my quandary there
0: is, is it too ridiculous for a full book of an AP? I would feel a little bit more comfortable doing that for like the 32 pager, 10, 15 episodes. We're just kind of screwing around, but something that we're developing and leveling up, like this is, if I go that route, it's just going to be a joke. I'm not gonna put a lot of heart into it. So I don't know if I have the answer right now, but I could find a way to make it work. We'll see.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Maybe that's your Edelon's voice. Mr. (laughs)
2: Cuthbert.
1: I I love it. (laughs) Take it back.
0: (laughs) All right. Any more questions?
2: I do not have any at all. Just a comment from Newt that he wants you to know that you're being very brave for working with your spider phobia. Thank
0: you. That was uh, that's where I was going with this. It's uh, we're doing a haunted house. We're supposed to be scared. I'm facing my fears. All right. I got a couple questions here that I can pull from Haley. If somebody asks a question, feel free to interject over what I'm going to ask. But I got a fun one here from Image Burn, I have a question. I'm surprised I have not heard on Zone of Truth. I remember the crew being asked about what classes they like playing. But I'm thinking more about races. What type of monster would you like to make a PC out of? And then he specifies if you're able to, what type of humanoid and what type of non-humanoid. I've been on this train for a while, but I think there should be some sort of centaur race.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you already have... Like no, that's a, fantasy one oh one. Yeah. I mean, it's in 5e, right? Pretty sure they have a centaur. I'm like
0: 90% sure you're correct on that. Yeah. Is that your humanoid
1: option? I think, yeah, that, that'd be my humanoid. Do you have a humanoid option? Uh, depends if you count something that looks like a human as humanoid or if you're going by like what their stat block says, mm-hmm. I'd really like to play a chitin in something. Oh, now that's interesting. And I actually have this idea. Jason, for our lunch hour heroes, wants to run us through Night of the Grey Death. Mm-hmm. And I want to play like a cleric of Zonkathon that also like has the medic dedication that is very much a uh, cause-harm doctor. Mm-hmm. But I think a chitin would work in that situation very well. It would just have to be something that's high enough level to allow something i mean there are low level chitons certainly but it would have to be something where you can slot that in because i just in general being like that kind of outsider is a little high power
0: yeah that's really cool and and night of the gray death is a very interesting sounding module i think in general the pathfinder modules don't Level 16 path, that, like, Yeah, they don't touch Galt a lot, which I think is a pretty interesting setting. And yeah, starting at level 16, that's really high. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Non-humanoid.
1: This one's a little bit more tough. Uh, so I, I have an answer to Go ahead. this. There is actually a magical beast that is, it's an intelligent magical cat. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think would be kind of fun to play with, because it's a Doomer cat. Uh, They're not super high-leveled. I actually, when Haley and I played a one-on-one, a couple episodes worth of Curse of the Crimson Throne where she was a Gestalt character, I was allowing her to have a companion that is a magical beast just to kind of boost her efficiency and ability to survive as a single combatant against the AP. And that was one of the ones that I kind of threw out as, "Hey, this is something you could certainly give class levels to. It's intelligent. And it has a lot of similar stats that a regular adventurer would have, but some like spell-like abilities and that kind of thing." Uh, so I think it would be fun to play around with too, because you have that whole, you have that whole like appearing as a cat kind of thing, kind of mm-hmm. like your Kitsune character has. Like, if you wanted to be a fox, there's a way to do that, mm-hmm. and you could you could kind of like come out of nowhere as like, oh, I thought this was an animal. Um, so I think that would be kind of cool to play. For sure.
0: I think there's a million different ways you can take the non-humanoid part of this question. My gut wants me to pull stuff from Starfinder because what I think Starfinder does really, really well is it throws the book at the number of ancestry or race choices that you have, like every alien archive that comes out just blows up the amount of playable mm-hmm. character choices. One of the ones that I'm reminded of from our Dead Sons game was when Chris played like a a living crystal uh, the shimmerine The Shimmerine. I think that would, something like that would be really cool. I know he had some sort of ability to like telescope out his arm or something yeah. which would be really good for delivering touch bells or um, something like that. I like a living crystal man. I think that's pretty interesting on the complete other end of the spectrum. I think Sal Hageen, the like shark dudes uh, are not a, a playable race. I think they're just a, like a template creature.
1: Oh, uh, they're, they're just, yeah, they're like the goblins of aquatic adventures.
0: Yeah. I think that would be a fun PC to do like a shark man, like King shark. Or
1: Jabberjaw. The Wershark. The, yeah, yeah, give him the Wershark yeah. template. I like that. I like it, that a lot. I think you can you can play that now with like the Beastkin, mm-hmm. um, which, which works fairly well in 2E. I wish 2E had... Um, I really like Anadi, but I kind of want more of the insectoid races. I remember Trox in first edition were pretty cool and actually very different. Mm-hmm. Because they were large and they had crazy stats. But even in Starfinder, like you're you have a core race that's like the Sheeran, and they're really interesting to play, and they kind of role-play a lot differently than the other core races, and like the Formians and that kind of stuff seem like they're kind of fun and interesting to play. In a different way than maybe a fully robotic character is. Yeah. Being a part of like kind of like a hive mind or having those tendencies is interesting. And we've definitely explored that in like Hideous Tomfoolery where we're playing Attack of the Swarm. On top of that,
0: I will also give a quick plug to the uh, Southern Tomfoolery's Live and Let Fly podcast. Our really, really good buddy Heath plays a Sheeran and did a ton of homework into the Deity of Hylax and the... Difference between the Sheeran and the Swarm that they broke away from, and understanding the culture, and he does such a good job of role-playing his character that anybody out there who is interested in insectoid beings or species or the Sheeran in general, listen to that show because Heath does a really fucking good job. So, just felt I'd throw that out there. Go ahead, Haley.
2: Um, we've got a question from Jason. Sure. Oh, sure. The rest of Link Legacy has let y'all really cut loose and have a lot of goofy fun with your characters. But if this is twice as long as those movies, are you approaching this recording differently?
1: Uh, I think even from the inception, Chris had said he... I mean, because this is horror, and that's kind of our bread and butter on the main show, he wants to play it as such. I think there's certainly going to be a lot of opportunity for jokes and that kind of stuff. But at least when I was creating my character... I wanted to create a character that is flawed and has, like, a serious insecurity so that that can be used by Chris to play off of in, like, a horror setting. So I think there are going to be probably more serious moments in this than in in most of the rest of Link Legacy. Mm -hmm. Not to say that, like, we didn't have serious moments in the rest of Link Legacy either, but my character and it sounds like your character aren't made with the intention of pushing the envelope in terms of what's like funny or what's like super out there to play, which is definitely something that we've done.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really great answer to this question, Griffin. Yeah, I mean, you, you heard it from me earlier in this episode where I'm on the fence about being goofy because I believe in this module. I know we're going to be playing it for a long time, so I don't want it to be a joke. But you need to balance that with what has linked legacy become and what has it grown into. It's an opportunity for us to have fun and have fun with you guys listening. So it can't be the most nail biting edge of your seats, tension ridden episodes that I feel like sometimes the HLP can be like we're, we're a little bit more relaxed. It's like uh, your own group playing at home atmosphere. but. Because it's a 64-page module that we're taking a little bit more time with, it has to be treated with a little bit more respect. So I guess the answer is we'll see. But it's going to be a a little bit more grown up.
2: I don't have any more questions.
0: And if you don't have any more questions, I think we're getting close to time. So has anybody submitted a final jab? Or do we need to give people a moment to do so?
2: Oh, Corey already said that she has something early on.
0: All right. I wonder who it's going to be about. Maybe me this time. Maybe, could
1: be Haley. I don't. That's think valid. Going to get any of the final gems? Right. Steve. I don't. I don't that, think. I was already either. optimistic to say me. <laughs> even I'm even more optimistic to say Hayley I'm just saying Haley. it's an option.
0: I'm just saying it's an option.
2: Corey has uh, sent in. I can't wait to see your tarantula cleavage hair, Steve.
0: Well, on that note. <laughs> We did it. Yeah. (laughs) Finish your drinks. We'll see you in two weeks. Later. All right. So... When are we going to talk about the fart lady?
1: I guess right now. I should probably <laughs> talk about her.
0: All right, cool. So here I am, minding my own business, coming over for a live zone of truth. Get that, get over here. You guys let me in. And Haley hits me with this article that there's this woman that was selling her farts in jars that was on 90 Day Fiance and making... It's, kill our money doing it. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: But <laughs> her diet was so prohibitively um, fart inducing that she thought she was having a stroke and had to go to the hospital. She knocked the
1: wind out of herself with a fart.
2: With all which, the pressure she yeah, built. Yeah,
1: who knew that was possible? Unbelievable. Like, if that if that was a possibility, I would have thought I'd have done it by now. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I just, like, I have to say, okay, she started making like a hundred dollars per jar, mm-hmm. and that ramped up to a thousand dollars per jar of farts. And like, I think we should probably just quit this podcast and sell our farts. I mean, yeah, like she's
0: just she's just crushing our Patreon. Numbers. Our Patreon is one jar of farts
1: to her. Yeah, no kidding. A month, unbelievable. One fart jar, and like. I mean, she's making more than all of us with these farts. The wrong line of business. Which, I mean, I guess you sabotage your own diet to do that. Yeah, at what cost? She said she made fifty thousand dollars in a couple weeks.
2: <laughs> she I, did say that. Yes.
1: What do you write in on your taxes for that? I don't know. Like, <laughs> what what business are you in, ma'am? <laughs> Is this an LLC? Fart Jar LLC. <laughs> The girl was eating cans <laughs> of several different types of beans per day, eggs, protein shakes. Protein shakes stuffed with dairy. Oh my god. And that's like it.
2: So she um she has a second day in the life out. Um, okay. I, I didn't want to tell you guys about this until you're on air. So she said that she worked to make herself look sexy for all the fart buyers of India. She was going to do a live stream for them since they're one of her biggest demographics. Um, and the, she really wants to us. thank the people of India for their generosity and kindness as they were the largest fart buyers.
0: I got to, I got to look at what our download numbers look like in India. We, we could pump those
2: up somehow. Is she puts us? rose petals in the fart jars.
1: That's a lot in sh- like, does a fart stay good? When it's shipped from America to India,
2: wow! Well, well, s- so question. she said she said that she thinks the rose petals help savor the flavor. Do you think longer. they absorb
1: the fart mm,
2: smell? Uh-huh.
1: You got you got to hit Steve with with uh, the the top. She comments. just pulled
2: out a two pound block of cheese from a ziploc bag to just start eating like an apple. How do you oh keep your this? Body. Was requested by one of her clients who would like a cheese fart.
1: How That's how do you keep your pictures? Fucking- s- in sexy. Context. How do you keep your pictures sexy when your diet has devolved into two pound blocks of cheese?
2: She said, "I really hope I don't get too constipated." I mean, so. yeah.
1: I mean, that sets her business back by like days. <laughs> I, yeah, that's she's leaving money the, on the table. The spice must flow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Feed the beast. Feed the beast. So horrible. Oh my God. So she's so- putting her shipments in a fucking Ferrari.
1: So, Haley shows me the top comment on her like day oh, in the yeah. life thing. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> That's not in the day of life. It, it, it was
1: on one of her, one of her, this woman has a TikTok uh, where she, it's like all fart content all the time. And the top comment is something along the lines of I purchased one of her fart jars and I found a piece of corn on top of the rose petal.
0: No, <laughs> no, no, no.
1: <laughs> I cannot believe
2: this. <laughs> she um has a, another TikTok that says do's and don'ts of selling my farts in a jar for a thousand dollars.
1: Do's and don'ts.
0: What are some of the do's?
2: Do's uh metamucil fiber.
1: Yeah, okay, okay, okay.
2: don't is gas X. <laughs> Understandable. That's
1: like That's like us saying, oh, what are the do's and don'ts of podcasting? Do, speak into the microphone, don't throw your microphone against the wall. (laughs) Don't take the drug that makes you stop farting, apparently uh, the gas form of gold. She's like the golden goose.
2: But she had to retire.
1: Yeah, because she she thought she gave herself a stroke.
2: (laughs) She also made sure she let everybody know she does not and has never used fart spray.
1: Oh, thank God.
0: So what I'm curious on is whether or not the farts in the jar will now rapidly gain value now that she's not producing any more. So like oh, maybe wow. maybe the $1000 purchase was a really sound financial decision cuz maybe today it's worth 10,000 because you can't get them anymore. That well, that's assuming
1: on, that's on. assuming the the, that the the dudes that buy them can resist for even a second the urge to crack it open <laughs> and huff
0: it like an <laughs> addict.
2: <laughs> so she does have a TikTok about the addictions. Um anyways. The what? The addiction uh, to her farts? Uh, oh, my God. Newt actually left. He was joking around or saying enough zone of truth for me and then left.
1: <laughs> He's out of here.
2: <laughs> and then uh, I just this is the last thing. Uh, so because she had to stop due to her health scare, she then created fart jar NFTs and allowed customers who purchased fart jars to exchange them for the NFT fart jars. A um, hundred people have done that.
1: A hundred. She sold a hundred oh, NFTs. Oh, two hundred people did that. Two hundred NFTs of fart jars.
2: I guess so. Apparently, they exchanged it for NFTs. I just what? I just
1: struggled to think that I'm in the right line of work. You're clearly <laughs> not. Yeah,
2: clearly not.
1: We gotta. Start Is that all it takes? Show. Is that all it takes? You could make like a hundred thousand dollars in like two months just by being <laughs> an attractive woman that farts into jars. Yeah. I mean do you, think- you could work like three weeks a year. Be good. Be yeah. vacation the rest of the year. Yeah. Spend the rest of the year in Europe. Hmm. Do you think um do you think like they're through the close or bare ass?
0: All right, we're gonna start <laughs> the episode now. Yeah, we're done. We're done. <laughs> that, that's it right there.